Looking for the best place to buy tickets for any of your favorite teams or sporting events? We've got the spot. Our partner, StubHub, has been the leading ticket marketplace in the world for over 20 years, providing a 100% guarantee with every order. From a worldwide selection of live events, the widest choice of tickets and industry-leading partnerships, StubHub has what you need to purchase with confidence. StubHub, an official partner of The Athletic. This is The Athletic Football Show. Welcome, everybody, to the Football GM Podcast here on The Athletic Football Show. Mike Sando, senior writer of The Athletic, along with the GM, Randy Mueller. And Randy, your Sea Dragons. Big winners last night. I, I look at the headline. I'm all excited. Here's the headline that I, that I saw when I was Googling the results. Seattle Sea Dragons fend off self-sabotage, hand Houston Huffnick's <laughs> first XFL loss. The Sea Dragons... Three and two, a great team by all accounts, but they're minus 10 turnover differentials. So it sounds like a very stress-free environment watching this, obviously. <laughs> I mean, you get, you must have a talented team to be three and two and minus 10, but I'm just glad to get the win last night. We might not, might not have had anyone in the GM chair today. Yeah, it was one of those uh, three-hour root canals in the dental <laughs> chair. And it's crazy because it's been like that for five straight weeks. I would say this, Mike, we're pretty battle tested. We, we find ways to, to make up fights and, and battles and crazy things when it shouldn't even be that close. So last night was no, no different at all than the first four games. So hopefully we yeah. can continue to overcome our own ineptness. Oh. It's, it's crazy. Hey, the numbers guys say that stuff evens out the turnovers, right? If you, if you have a team that has a whole feasts on them one year or one week it does it doesn't it'll even out so hopefully that's for you because i looked as you know randy before the show i looked in the last whatever 20 years of nfl uh at all the teams that were minus 10 or worse through five games none of them had a winning record so you must have done something right you must have some talent on the sea dragons at least <laughs> well we do have a good team if, if we can uh, get ourselves a little better and, and avoid the friendly fire yeah. i think we'll be okay yeah, that's great. Well, tons to discuss here today. You know, a few weeks ago, we teased to the legendary night when Evil Knievel hung out in my apartment, uh, <laughs> which, of course, life has been a big letdown since then. But um, the, the point here is that we teased that. We didn't get to it right away. We finally got to it last week. I think last week we teased to the fact that Randy was going to be uh, diving into the college quarterbacks in the draft, which you have, right? You looked at them. I did. I, I dove into him heavily and I enjoyed it. And uh, at some point here, maybe we can share with the audience. Absolutely. But with free agency in the news, I think we're going to push back that discussion. Maybe uh, maybe it'll be next week. It'll be, it'll be when we get to it. But I shoot, I could just do that now. I'm excited to see that. So hang with us. We'll get to that with Randy. Um, and in the meantime, we got free agency stuff all over the place. So let's dive in, shall we? Yeah, unbelievable. I, I feel like we've been in free agency for about two or three weeks now, and it's really been less than a yeah. week, right? Now yeah. the legalized tampering period is really, let's let's get right to it. I mean, that's free agency, right? I mean, that's when oh, yeah. deals, and, and really it's been going on since the Indy Combine. So this is, that's why it seems like it's been longer. The window of free agents uh, have had to, to make commitments yeah. is, is longer than people think, that's for sure. 
So we're going to run through a, a bunch of these. Uh, Randy and I, but especially Randy, have flagged uh, some of the deals. Actually, in our little shared uh, Google Doc here today, I pasted about 200 of the deals in, and Randy's flagged a bunch of those. So we're going to get to a ton of these today. Javon Hargrave, Jawan Taylor, Tremaine Edmonds, Mike McGlinchey, a bunch of others, a bunch of quarterback deals. Uh, we're going to dive into that. We've got, um, you know... Items looking at, I think we want to talk about the Bears. I think that's a great yeah. one with them trading out of the first spot and really being active. So we'll get Randy's and my f- initial thoughts on that. We'll talk about free agency in general. Um, Lamar Jackson's in the news, but not really in the news. But off the top, uh, Randy, let's deal and digest with what we saw this week as the world turns with Aaron Rodgers. How about that, huh? Aaron Rodgers. Unbelievable. Uh, to me, it's more of the same, Mike. I mean, it's crazy. This just keeps going on and going on, and we thought we were going to get some closure to it. All we did was get the door wider, wider, uh, yeah. more, more. I guess there's not as many options as we might have thought, but yeah. it's still not done. It, 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 it yeah. seems like a foregone conclusion where he's going, yep. but there's still some negotiating to, to happen here. There is. So he lays it out regarding the Packers, quote, they want to move on and now so do I. How about that? He put it on them and (laughs) then said, uh, yeah, yeah. you know, of course now. (laughs) So he explains that the Packers seem totally open to him returning or whatever Rodgers wanted to do. But then somehow they had a change of heart that they didn't really tell him about directly. So he says, hey, look, I'm not a victim here. No ill will. But then he basically goes down a path casting himself as a victim who probably should have ill will if he if all of these things are true. Uh, so I thought that, you know, there were a lot of sort of visceral reactions to this, especially in the media, because Rogers attacked the media. I mean, he, he, he blamed the media right. for for, uh, you, you know, coming up with a narrative that he didn't uh, uh, agree with. I didn't really want to engage him too much on. Uh, on that and, and get into the mud on whether the media was fair or not fair. But I'm just curious, Randy, what your sort of an analysis reaction is to, to what we saw and where we're going. Yeah, I think it was a microcosm of the last couple of years with the relationship between Aaron and the Packers. I mean, it's been a love-hate deal. It's been a uh, pointing fingers, but not really pointing fingers. It's been a, a game a shell game of who to blame, who would say this, who wouldn't say this. And I think thus, you understand, if you just listen to this interview, you understand why we are where we are now. I think the Packers are just tired of it. I mean, I've said this a year ago, that this would have been a hard job. Brian Gutekus, their GM, has had to bite his lip for over a year now. Obviously, they stay and have taken the high road. They had hoped Aaron would take the high road. But as we know, some of these long-term relationships a in badly. I mean, I know I was in San Diego at the time when uh, LaDainian Tomlinson moved on. That kind of got acrimonious, was a little yeah. ugly. Um, we saw here in Seattle last year when Bobby Wagner left, there was kind of a he said, she said, or he didn't say this, she said this, you know, when he left. Um, so it, it, it was yeah. bound to happen. There's going to be some egos involved. There's going to be a blame game. It, it was clear to me that the minute... Uh, Aaron started talking that you knew where this was going in his interview. You knew when he started to thank all the equipment guys and all the trainers and everybody else, you knew where it was going. But in, in only the fashion that he's been accustomed to, he did it on his time frame. Now we'll see. I think it's a unique situation in that I couldn't think of in my 35 years in the league or so, a, a trade 
that has happened with the chronology of these decisions yeah. being made when they have been. I mean, let's face it, we all think he's going to go to the Jets. I get it. I'm in agreement with that. But they don't have a compensation package yet. Do we think that the contract has been settled? Because really, that may equate to what gets swapped compensation-wise as well. Depending if, if Green Bay said, hey, we're going to pay this, chances are they're going to get more compensation coming back from the Jets. There may be some players involved, so there's still a lot of things that have to be worked out. Um, I just think it's it's so unique that now Rodgers, which I think we all anticipated, he would take the Jets' side, and now he's saying, hey, let's just do right by me. Our relationship is this, as he backhanded, slapped them 30 seconds earlier. Now he wants them to do right by him. So there, there's some holier-than-thou thoughts in, in his processing of all this information, and I guess that's what you get with Aaron Rodgers at this point. He's he it's a weird he's a weird duck. I don't think there's any really way to put it other than that. Not many would take this route. Not many would take this. He, as he says, I just want to be transparent. That's fine. I'm not sure full transparency is always the high road. It's 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 a road, but I think filters on both sides might make this thing happen. And if people did swallow their ego a little bit, it could probably happen sooner. Yeah, I joked early in the week that I'm sure whatever he does, you know, based on uh, Roger's past behavior, I'm sure he's looking to have less money, less leverage, less control, and is really prioritizing <laughs> the team flexibility of the Jets. It was a little bit of a wink, wink, uh, a little bit of a, a, a joke, but it was funny after I, I was kind of going back and forth on Twitter with that, somebody from a, a team texted me and said that they had heard maybe he was going to be doing a, a, a more of a friendlier uh, deal for the Jets. We'll see about that. Do you think this happens fast? Do you think it comes together fast and is easy to do? Or do you think there's a big dance and a delay or anything like that? Is there Maybe there's reasons to get it done sooner? Well, I think the only urgency for me would be the draft. If there's some kind of a draft yeah. pick package or something involved in this year's draft, then that's a month away. I think different leverage points now dictate timing of it all. I, I don't know if it's even possible, but if I was the Packers, I'd be trying to draw somebody else into the deal. <laughs> I'd be trying to get a Houston or somebody who is unsettled at their quarterback position to even make a call to help me a little bit to, to, you know, let's don't forget Aaron Rodgers does not have a no trade clause. He's going. And I understand that team would have to have quite a bit of cap room to take him. But if the Packers are willing to pay some of it to make it happen, that could go a long ways toward the cap number that the new team will be receiving. So I don't know if it's going to happen quickly. I think this, though, Mike, and I think the compensation package is going to have to be a hybrid because we don't still know how long he's going to play, or at least he hasn't said publicly. Yep. And yep. as we all know, he's 100% transparent, so he would have told us if he was going to play three years. Absolutely. <laughs> you know, I think he would have anyway. Doesn't he effectively have a no-trade clause, though? Unless, So think of it this way. Let's just say a Houston did come in, and he says, I ain't going there. Now, I only want to go to the Jets. So effectively, then, he would only go to the Jets, right? No team is going to even enter those waters without knowing he'd want to come there or no? Well, it all depends on your cap availability and how, how long you wanted to carry that money. Um, you know, I don't, you I don't know. Yeah. yeah. yeah he's not – an acquiring team isn't going to then have a fight with him over whether he wants to be there. I think it has to be somewhere he wants to go, which is now the Jets. So I, I would – I don't know. I guess my question is, could you really get another team involved? Uh, and how well, would that go? Here's what I thought. For the last week, I thought that the Jets were the only team in play. Okay. And I thought for a while there that he may have been just pumping the brakes, hoping another team out west got in, gotcha. got in the mix. 
because yep. I think he's always wanted to to end up west at some point. Mm -hmm. There's just not enough teams out this way to to make the right you know step. So I've thought that all along that the Jets were kind of the they, this was an arranged marriage, maybe not perfect for for at least Aaron Rodgers. I don't know that he trusts fully that the Jets are going to put the next foot forward to to do what they need to do to get to the next level. And, you know, we'll see. That's why I always thought a place like Tennessee would have been a spot for him because I think he can trust that group. They've been there in the past. Um, it just seemed to make sense. And then when they came out a couple weeks ago and said they were all in on Tannehill, I thought, well, are they really or not? So there's a, there's a team with a giant number on a quarterback. I don't know. Could, they could they that, get out of, yeah. Yeah, could they yeah. get out of that deal to, to make a, a run at it, Aaron Rodgers? If they do, I think they have to get move on from Derrick Henry as well because I think he hamstrings them into a style of offense that probably isn't Rodgers. Um, well, and so as he, we know, they were shopping him, correctly? Correct, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So, uh, yeah, that is very interesting. I didn't, you know, I know that Rodgers comes, you know, there, there's a fatigue factor, and, and I, I understand from Green's base standpoint being done with it. I really do. I think that, like you said, mm -hmm. these relationships can go on to a point where we're done. I mean, even though he's right. a great player, all of that, it's just we're not doing this anymore. I, I get that. Uh, but I'm just surprised. I mean, Aaron Rodgers makes 28, 29 teams better at quarterback and a bunch of those by a lot. Why wouldn't we have more interest from a, uh, you know, a, a Raiders of San Francisco, some of these teams out West, like you're talking about that really mm -hmm. could be a quarterback away from, from doing a whole hell of a lot more than they've done recently. Wouldn't that, I, it's just a little bit bizarre to me. Yeah, I would agree with that. I think there is is really very little doubt that his skills are still there. I think I'll be honest. I think it's all the other three ring circus that comes with him. Nobody wants to put their organization on blast every Tuesday for uh, a podcast, and that's really essentially what the Packers have been. And this is all yeah. from the eyes of one guy. So when you build a team, the personalities matter, the leadership really matters, and I think that has turned some people off. And you know, the, the, the Rogers camp can say, we're just being transparent. We're doing this and that. Well, I got news for you. Our job is to build the best team we can. And if we determine as GMs or head coaches or decision makers that we don't want that style of leadership, then we're going to move on. And, and I think that's what's happened in a lot of places in, in the NFL. I know. I just can't think of situations where a team got really good quarterback play, maybe elite quarterback play. And, you know, the guy's personality just wrecked it. We couldn't do it. It's just those things don't go. The issue in Denver with what's going on with Russell Wilson was how he played. I mean, all that other stuff about the office and all of that, that's fine if he's playing well. And so to me, just I don't know if it's fine, but yeah, 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 yeah. But, but, yeah. but it's, it's you not, can a, tolerate it's it. not yeah. a deal breaker, right? I mean, there's right. been all kinds of egos and things in the league for a long time. Right. Um, so to me, I, you know, from a football standpoint, a team like the Jets last season, bottom five on offense, really good on, on defense. I went back and just looked at teams that fit that profile and none of them do anything. There's there's 39 of them that were basically in that bucket and just about all of them missed the playoffs. Only a few of them even won a single playoff game. But if you take the Jets where they were at or even close to where they were at defensively last season, Give them a middle pack, middle of the pack offense. You're a 75% playoff team. You, you have a 25% chance of going to the championship round. You go to the Super Bowl 10% of the time. And if if Rodgers were to come there and have an even better offense to be in the top 10 offensively, 
With that defense, you're a 95% playoff team. You're in the Super Bowl 25% of the time, Randy. This just seems like a no-brainer for me if I'm the Jets, especially if where I'm at, uh, I've been through Darnold. I've had Mark Sanchez. I've had all of these guys, and now my coach and my GM are a little bit to the point where, hey, if they have a losing year, maybe they're out of there. To me, this is a no-brainer for them to do. Would you agree? Yeah, I agree totally. It makes every bit of sense for the Jets and for all the reasons you just gave. And I think there's there's one issue that doesn't get a lot of run because he's been dismissed by so many media outlets and really by Jets fans is Zach Wilson. Any other quarterback in the league that's going to come in there, not any, but a lot of yeah. them that were available, there would be a cloud based on what are we going to do with Zach Wilson? What are you guys going to do with him if I come yep. there? This guy was a second pick in a draft only two years ago. And there's a lot of people in the NFL that still think he's a pretty good prospect. Not there yet, but a prospect. The Aaron Rodgers fit totally renders that discussion useless. You don't need to. You don't need to hear from Zach Wilson. He's in the background. Nobody cares what he says if we have Aaron Rodgers. So that part of this deal makes a lot of sense to me too from the Jets standpoint. They can put that one to rest and really put him on ice for another year or two. So whereas if you bring in Derek Carr or more of a middling guy, it would be saying something about Zach Wilson. This doesn't because Rodgers is in such an exalted company. Correct. I think he's at the yeah. top of the heap, and then the Zach Wilson cloud, really, even if he's on the team, he's not a factor. I just think if if you're a Derek Carr or if you're a, you know, I don't know who else, Andy Dalton or even Jimmy G coming in there, there's going to be a doubt at some point here that Zach might get the job back. Uh, or if, if one of those guys got hurt and Zach played good, do we stay with Zach now or do we give it back to a Jimmy G? Now, if... if uh, Rodgers gets hurt. It doesn't matter for how long. He's going to always have the job, and there's never going to be any doubt. So I'm just saying that discussion yeah. is gone if you yeah. if we get Aaron Rodgers. Yep. I can't see a downside for the Jets given their options. Yep. So uh, hopefully for everybody it gets done quickly, and then we can – I mean, how many McAfee shows are we till the draft? That's probably something <laughs> we need to take into account because that's a lot more chances for Rodgers. Well, the closer we get to, to the draft, I think the leverage – then stays in the Jets camp, or at least transfers to the Jets yeah. camp, because they, they'll they just say, we'll give you next year's picks then. They'll use their picks, whatever they were going to give. They'll just use that this yeah. year as more tools to build their team. So I think it really benefits Green Bay to get it done sooner than later. The problem is, like I said, is what kind of conditions are you going to put on the picks? Because there's going to be conditions based oh, yeah. on how long he plays, the success of the Jets, maybe the playtime percentage, maybe even signing an extension you know, that suits him uh, for a longer term. These are all factors that will have to be discussed in the compensative package. Absolutely. And that, that brings into play future picks because you can't answer those questions until he plays right. for the team. So, right. uh, yep, that'll be interesting. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. 
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. All right. That's funny. That's free agency, but that's not even a free agent move yet. Nothing's even happened <laughs> in that. Right. And we've already had tons to talk about. Let's let's go through some of the deals that have gotten done. And just so people can kind of visualize what we're doing here, as I alluded to off the top, I pasted about 200 of these deals uh, in our little shared uh, Google Doc here, starting out with at the top. Uh, I guess it would be Derek Carr, $37.5 million per year, going down through Garoppolo, Hargrave, Jawan Taylor, all the way down. And then uh, Randy has flagged some of these to talk about. Don't worry, we're not going to talk about all 200 on the show. <laughs> uh, our producer, Marissa, would, uh, would leave us and everybody else would be asleep by the end of it. Mm-hmm. But there are some really exciting ones to get to. And I'll, I'll just hand it over, Randy. Which ones have you sort of flagged? I see here you've, you've put a few maybe into some buckets, some of the ones, some good ones, questionable, and then right. uh, some other ones. I think there's a lot of angles to hit these free agent deals on. Yeah. And one in particular for me is the quality of, of the deal based on the priority of that position. So I see deals, you know, and, and we'll set aside the quarterbacks. They're always going to get paid. But offensive tackles, we see three of those in the top 10 deals that have been done. We really saw uh, Tremaine Edmonds go from Buffalo to Chicago. My sense is that that $18 million that the Bears are paying him is going to include some snaps as a pass rusher because let's, he, he's a big kid that actually is suited best frame-wise probably to play outside. I thought that from when I saw him at Virginia Tech, you know, uh, when he came out of college. And he is a young guy, too. So I think you're seeing guys that get paid are, are tackles, are maybe pass rushers, uh, and a couple defensive linemen, big guys. Draymond Jones goes to Seattle. Uh, Hargrave goes to San Francisco. These are big trenchmen, difference-making bodies that are really hard to find. And there's a reason these guys get drafted really high every year. And so I think it does reflect that. The first one that I come to that I would struggle with as you went down this list of average per year being how you sorted it really was the Jesse Bates deal for Atlanta. There's a safety that, that Atlanta signed. who they can, he, w- he was a good player in Cincinnati. But for me, he plays a non-impact position. He plays a safety spot that I don't think you can control a game from that spot. I just don't know if I would ever commit that kind of money to him. The Falcons have made a habit of this already in that you know they're drafting tight ends, they're trading for tight ends, they're paying safeties. Um, some interior offensive linemen, they're paying pretty good. So there's just a different team-building philosophy going on in Atlanta that that strikes me. But that's where I started with... These deals make sense as long as it's a position of, you know, high priority and can make a difference on Sundays. And I don't know how you feel about that, but yeah. that's how I started to look at these deals. 
Yeah, absolutely. So let's go through the, the the four you have at the top. Javon Hargrave, Jawan Taylor to the Chiefs as a tackle, Tremaine Edmonds to the Bears, and Mike McGlinchey to the Broncos. Uh, these are ones you, you like because of the fit, because of the positional value. How did you see, you know, just what jumps out to you? Well, I'll, I'll just talk about, for example, McGlinchey. And, and I'm going to say this. I, I, I went to Notre Dame the year McGlinchey came out. I, I had him rated as kind of a later first-round pick. He's okay. been a better player than where I thought he would be for the 49ers. He's been a right tackle. Really, that's what he is in the NFL. But when I first saw this signing, I said, oh, gosh, I don't know. Is he really worth that? I went back and dipped in some film. I really was wrong. I think he's a really good player. There's a couple things that he doesn't do that you could nitpick on. Maybe he's not quite as uh, have sand in his butt. He's not quite as, as much of an anchor player against bull rushes, which tends yeah. to collapse the pocket a little bit. And we've seen some of that with the quarterback play, especially with Jimmy G. That side of the line gets caved in a little bit and it affects Jimmy G. But for the most part, this guy's really athletic. He can bend. He's he's um, really good in the run game on getting to the second level and comboing onto linebackers. I was impressed with the film that I saw, and I don't see any really setback with McGlinchey at all. And I think he's still young enough. He's in his 20s that he'll probably play this four or five years. So for me, Denver making that free agent signing, along with Ben Powers, the guard from Baltimore. I, again, I'm not one for paying guards, but I understand they're trying to change culture there. They're trying to do some things to fortify a front and build it a little different with a shorter quarterback. So they've got to firm up the interior of that offensive line, much like they did in New Orleans when uh, Drew Brees was the quarterback. Mike, they built their offensive front different. They could not take pressure up the gut because the guy's six foot tall. Same with Russell Wilson. They can't really afford to let the pocket collapse interior. And so they're kind of, I can see some of the same moves being made. For me, the, the comparison of McGlinchey was with Ramsek. Uh, that the Saints picked oh, in the yeah. first round, a right tackle from Wisconsin. Really good player. Um, I think McGlinchey is in that same boat as far as a player goes. And I thought the Broncos did a really good job of identifying him with the 49ers because Trent Williams makes all the money there. There's no way the 49ers could pay McGlinchey the $17 million right. as well. Just too much money to commit to one position. So I, I think they jumped out of the box, got that deal done early, maybe overpaid slightly to get it, but it made sense. And I, and I like where Denver's gone with these first few days of free agency. That idea of McGlinchey on one side and Trent Williams on the other. We'll get to something a, a little bit uh, similar in, in a couple minutes because I want to talk about the Bengals situation uh, with signing Orlando Brown and then having mm -hmm. a, a, a tackle there who was hoping to probably get a deal at some point. Uh, but uh, that's an interesting eval to me on McGlinchey because I think the you know, the general media feel is probably that he wouldn't be as good as the Saints tackle. Or, and I'm not saying you're saying he's exactly as good, but you're putting him in the same bucket. So that's encouraging for Denver. I think they do need to do upgrade that offensive line, whether it's Russell Wilson or anybody else. So it's a great place to start. But nice parallel there uh, with Sean Payton. You had flagged Tremaine Edmonds here, too, to the Bears. We will talk about the yeah. Bears a little bit more later. Um, the on the surface, you wouldn't say that that's necessarily the same level of premium position as a tackle or a really big guy who can move on defense. Why do you have that one up here too? Well, they just let Rokon Smith go uh, during the season, right? The inside linebacker yeah. that they drafted Could high yeah. and, and did not decide to pay him at the end of the day. Now they add another inside linebacker. Um, but I think the skill set that Edmonds brings, and again, I'm kind of guessing here because I haven't read or heard this anywhere, but for my money, I think as this third down rusher, 
this kid could be really good. And it's an area where Buffalo didn't use him much at. But I thought this when he came out of Virginia Tech that I thought this guy is more built to play outside and you might get some nickel rush stuff out of him as well. That's what I think the Bears are going to do to him. And that's how I think they could justify paying him the amount of money they did. His deal is what, $18 million. That's That's yep. high for an inside linebacker. You would think you'd have to have a little more in some other area of his skills to, to make that move worth it. The other thing is he's a young guy. I think he's only like 24 or 25 now. This guy was 19 or 20 when he came out of college because he came out as a redshirt sophomore when he came out of Virginia Tech. So he's really young. He's got a big upside still, depending on the scheme and how they use him. So to me, that made some sense. And again, on the surface, at an inside linebacker position, it wouldn't make a lot of sense. But I think there's there's enough reason here to be really fired up if you're Bears fans. What struck me about that was your head coach, uh, Matt Eberflus, came into the league, spent his first nine years in the league coaching linebackers. So for him to have a strong opinion on Roquan Smith and Tremaine Edmonds, that's telling to me, right? Because yeah. they're not signing a, any linebacker right. that the head coach isn't really totally in on. Whereas if he was a uh, offensive play caller, he might just say, yeah, get us somebody to help the defense, right? He wouldn't have as strong yeah. of an opinion necessarily on a linebacker. So that is somebody that really needs to succeed there in Chicago because of, the head, of who the head coach is. Getting yeah. that player for his defense when he had another guy there that, that some yeah. people thought was good. Uh, uh, so that one needs to hit. And I would guess the odds are probably pretty good that it will hit, uh, that they can make that hit probably. I um, think he was kind of a forgotten guy because he was injured a little bit this year with Buffalo, but he's a guy that I don't think gets enough run around the league because I think he is one of the better players on defense yeah. in the league. So I think he's equivalent to a Fred Warner in San Francisco with maybe more upside because he's younger and I think can bring a little edge game that most of these inside guys don't have. I'm sure you're right in Matt Eberfuss probably had a giant grade on this guy coming out of Virginia Tech and loved him when he was coaching with the Colts. So um, yep. makes sense yeah. to me. Yep. Uh, okay, your other questionable one, you had Dalvin Tomlinson on there for the Browns. Well, and my only question is that is you're getting a run defender. That's what you're getting. I don't think you're going to get much pass rush at all. Um, I guess they probably just figure they need a bigger body, um, but that's a pretty expensive price to pay for a bigger body that is not a, a rusher of any kind. So uh, 14 million bucks really for most guys, most teams might consider him a nose. Uh, and so I think he's limited maybe to first and second down. Maybe I'm a little wrong there, but I don't yeah. ever see Dam, uh, Dalvin Tomlinson being a third down sub package no. guy. And usually those are the ones that get paid. I think this is a team that got tired of getting run on, and this is their reaction to Could it, be. right? Sometimes yeah. you, see and, a, you say, hey, we couldn't stop the run. Fix it. What are we doing? Yeah. Right? Maybe it's in a little bit of an overreaction, but they say yeah. we're not going to have that happen yeah. to us again. I get it. Okay. So you circled a bunch of these quarterback deals, and not they're not – these are mostly – I guess these are almost all backup quarterback deals. Let's go through the ones yeah. you like, or what do you think? Well, I just thought a bunch of these guys were really interesting because – we're finding out, and, and they're all unique in that where they went, I really like, actually. I, I like Jared Stidham going to Denver. I think that's a great get for Denver. I don't know what's going to happen with Russell Wilson, but I think Jared Stidham can play a little bit. This is yeah. a big upgrade over uh, Brett Rippon as the backup quarterback. I, I, I'm sure Brett Rippon is a great kid and all that. I don't know that he's an NFL quarterback. I think Stidham might be an NFL quarterback, so this does give them some security against one Russell Wilson not 
being what he oh, used yeah. to be or two, getting injured. So I like the move. I think it'll uh, put a little yeah. heat on Russell as well. That was so interesting to me because remember last year when the Raiders benched uh, yeah. Derek Carr, well, Stidham came in and lit up the 49ers. I mean, they yeah. had a great game. No doubt. If you had had that type of a thing happen last year when Russell missed a game, uh, it becomes interesting if Russell's yep. not playing well. So um, I agree. I like that one. What other, let's go through some of the others. Well, one was Baker Mayfield that I thought he had found his home in L.A., to be honest with you. I really did. They yeah. must have said, we can't pay any money. So he goes to Tampa, one-year deal, $4 million. Um, I, I don't know the background behind why that made sense. Obviously, Tampa's looking for a quarterback. I get that part. But I just sense in the exit of players out of L.A., and you know me, Mike, I've never been a tanking guy ever. It yeah. just seems to me like the Rams are kind of taking a you know, a route of, of, yeah, let's do what we can, but we'll be back in 2024 in making totally. our team building decisions. Yeah. I, maybe that's me. I don't yeah. know. No, no. You know what this feels like is a great contrast with the Saints. Because, right, the Saints always get criticized by, you know, a lot of times it's media criticism, but hey, why do you keep kicking the can down the road just trying yeah. to be in the mix and competitive? You should reset. And then we have a conversation like, well, that's not really how it works in the NFL. You don't just say we're going to suck this year, right, for the most right, part. Right. No. But the Rams yeah. are a little bit – the Rams have been sort of that team that um, has taken a, a little bit of an unorthodox approach, right? They were – you know, yes. the way they were trading picks or unloading salaries or eating salaries, kind of making – drastic moves right and they got the payoff they won the super bowl so if they hadn't yeah. people would be saying they're a cautionary tale they won it we can still debate whether it was a smart thing to do they won the super right. bowl so no one yeah. they, they're going to win the argument but it doesn't mean that necessarily that's the way it's going to work for everybody so i'm sort of with you i think this will be an interesting situation where sean mcveigh i thought was it was all he could do to keep coaching right i mean he was really on the fence he wants to come back for that type of year maybe yeah Maybe they can overcome it. That'll be a fascinating thing to me to sort of see where they finish, right? And and then you have this older quarterback that you're triggering $60 million of guarantees with Stafford, Matthew Stafford, who's having trouble staying healthy but behind that line. So that's a little bit of a yeah. weird thing too. No, the dynamics are weird. And it there's a and maybe it's just me, but I always come back to this with Sean McVay. And I'm sure he's a great guy and a great – I know he's a great coach. But there's yeah. always a little sense of – arrogance here in that there's nobody else in the league would be willing to do this and and still walk around and stick our chest out you know you yeah. were sheepishly going through this because you're worried about getting fired for one thing well he's yeah. not they're not yeah. it's almost like they have a license to do whatever they want and can be untraditional in in regard to team building yeah maybe that super bowl ring buys you that a little bit right well so, no doubt uh, no doubt it does yeah yep. when okay, you let's... when you trade or or let people go like uh, Ramsey, who you gave what multiple first round yeah, picks Jalen for, Ramsey, yeah. and, and he was there what three or four years, yeah. And, and I know they won a Super Bowl, but that would be questioned by a lot of people. It's not questioned, nor as much ever questioned, out of the Rams decision makers. Just interesting. Jalen Ramsey, yeah, three and a half years uh, with that team. Yeah. So and, okay. and they got a third round pick team. in return. Third round pick, which they, they need the draft picks. So yeah, some of these other ones we've got here, Sam Darnold, Drew Locke, Jacoby Brissett. There's a bunch of them here. What what else you got? Well, I love the Minshew going to Indianapolis one. I thought yeah. he would yeah. get paid a little money. He only got $3.5 to go to the Colts. I think he's a, a great fit for what Shane Steichen wants to do there. Obviously, he comes from Philly, so he's going to know Shane. He's going to know what they want to do offensively. I thought that was a cool get. And you know I've always been a Mike White fan. I think Mike White is a quarterback that, 
could play in the NFL as a starter and function with a good team. Um, I thought him going to Miami was a great get for Miami. I'll be honest. They they give they get now security against Tua. I think he's a he's a fairly good size upgrade over Teddy Bridgewater. So I think it's a good get for Miami. The Sam Darnold to the 49ers one was interesting to me because that that commitment this early in free agency, there's got to be some there's got to be something there that we don't know um, because that room is full now. Obviously with with Lance yeah. with Purdy and now with. Darnold, I, I I asked myself, what was he told to make him feel so good about going in there with these two young kids? Is there medical information we don't know? Is there something with Trey Lance that they may move on from him? You know, is Purdy not going to be right? I don't know, but that that room's a little crowded for me with young quarterbacks. Does that make any yeah, sense? Yeah, one year, four and a half million. You're right. It is a little yeah. bit. He's not a big enough prospect to where you feel like for sure. Every, someone's imperiled but you kind of feel like somebody could be <laughs> yeah i don't know right <laughs> and i just the timing of it maybe is what was so peculiar to me in that the first couple of days of free agency he commits to going there yeah where they got two young guys already that they're trying to sort out i don't you know, know i know he's a california kid and it's coming home yeah. but Think of it from this standpoint, if you were Sam Darnold or his agent, if, you, if I was advising Sam Darnold, I, I might be able to say this to make it fit for San Francisco. Hey, look, where you go is everything for a quarterback, unless you're just an unbelievable talent who's going to lift up your franchise no matter what. Um, where you go determines your career. And Sam Darnold, right. you've been to a couple of places where it was less than ideal. Yep. It just wasn't going to work out for you, given you know bad coaching situations or bad personnel or both. Um, what you need right now is to take a deep breath. And yep. let's get you with someone whose quarterbacks always seem to do better than expected and where you might have a chance to play, but you're not going to be counted on to play. Maybe, it's a re- right. maybe at worst it's a reset year for you, Sam, and you go there and you get in this system and maybe – uh, who knows? Maybe there's a coach leaving the staff to become a head coach next year, like how always happens to the 49ers. And he says, hey, Sam Darnold showed us a lot. Let's bring him in. And now it's eight million dollars a year or something like that. Or or maybe yeah. he gets a, a run down the stretch because of injuries. And he's shoot. Brock Purdy did well. I know you really like him as a player. And I'm not saying mm-hmm. Sam Darnold's the same, but maybe maybe they finish the year six and two with Sam Darnold. That that yeah. maybe is better than Sam Darnold just going to the next place where he's going to get on the field in week one or week three. No doubt. Right? Valid points. I remember when, when I was a youngster in the, in the Seahawks organization, Chuck Knox used to say, whatever you want in life, you got to win to get it. Whether it's more money, yeah. more notoriety, yeah. uh, more security, winning matters. And maybe that's, like you said, it's valid point. Maybe Sam Darnold's tired of losing. Maybe he's tired of being places that are in disarray. I'm going to go yeah. to the 49ers. There's a good chance they're going to be in the playoffs. I'm going to ride this out. If I get to play three or four games, it sets me up uh, for some big yeah. payday coming up. So Mike White interests me because he's going to the Dolphins, who are 49ers East, right? With Mike McDaniel running it, a similar mm-hmm. offense, some pretty good talent there now, I think. They've yep. you know they've yep. got some decent talent Agreed. there. And you have a quarterback in Tua who's a little bit like Jimmy Garoppolo was, right? They kind of mm-hmm. like him when he plays, and and yet he's going to miss games. So Mike yep. White, we'll see if they can if they're built up enough in Miami. I don't think they're San Francisco yet by any means, but maybe yeah. Mike White gets to play there and has a Brock mm-hmm. Purdy type run. Oh, I don't doubt it. Again, I, I I probably value Mike more than most, 
because yeah. I see the skill set that is really hard to find. And I also see some instincts and anticipation in his game that are really hard to find as well. And I also think the Jets offense was a mess last year. So I don't blame sure. him. He, we saw him get pummeled in a couple games where he left the game more than once injured and came back. So I know the kid's tough. I just like, I think for, for the reasons you just mentioned that Miami is well suited for a guy like Mike White to come in and, and fill in for Tua and give them an option even beyond. Because as we know, I don't think they've committed long term, long term to Tua yet. Mike no, just might that, be a little more than a backup quarterback for them. I know that fifth year option locking in the next year is nothing. I mean, that, that doesn't make him any more or less tradable. No. It might make him more tradable to a, right. if he were to play. So, um, no doubt the thing you had to, before we get into the Bengals situation with Orlando Brown that I wanted to get to and promised we would, I noticed when I put all these 200 deals in here that you had put some yellow highlighting on, uh, a few of them, a couple were the, the Philly running backs. They re-signed Boston Scott. They add Rashad mm-hmm. Penny. Uh, you had put in yellow the newly signed Houston receiver Noah Brown, yep. and then also you had put in yellow the Raiders re-signing tackle Jermaine uh, Illuminor. Yes. Illuminor. Yes. I'm a good typer. I'm not a, always a good pronouncer, so I'm happy <laughs> that I think I got that pretty close. You did. I think you hit it right on. And, and the reason I highlighted these names and deals that are further down the list than what we had talked about is because I wanted to make this point. When decision makers and GMs are signing players at this point for Richard Penny, a million three, uh, you know, Boston Scott, two million, Noah Brown, 2.5 million. These are depth signings that free you up in the draft next month. So you're going to see a ton of these guys get signed and they're not going to be for giant money deals. But I always wanted and I think there's a lot of GMs that adhere to this same philosophy. I want options come draft day. I don't want to have to fill uh, draft slots or depth chart slots based on need. And so you're going to see a ton of signings. And if I sign a Noah Brown, I don't have to draft a receiver in the fourth round or the fifth round. I can take the best player. If I sign a Rashad Penny or a Boston Scott, I know the Eagles aren't don't necessarily have to draft uh, a running back. So I want to check some of these boxes before we get yep. to the, the college draft so then I can pick players based on the best available players. And as you know, there are a lot of teams who adhere to filling out a depth chart when they draft. I think what that leaves you, and this is just my personal philosophy, it leaves you a nice looking depth chart, but you've bypassed a bunch of really good players to fill out the depth on your team. And I don't think you can ever get ahead doing that. You end up with lesser players. For example, a specific example would be in the fourth round, we're going to pick a corner because we really need one. And that conversation yeah. happens in an NFL building. When right. I'm looking at the board saying, wait a second, we got a linebacker up here in the second round that we spent a whole year evaluating, stacking, and valuing. And we're going to bypass him for a corner that because we need a fourth or fifth corner. I don't want to do that in a draft. I want to have those fourth or fifth corner boxes checked with a legitimate option at the right value price-wise. And I want to be able to draft that linebacker that we have in the second round, in the fourth round. That's, to me, how you find really good players, and that's how you get players that were drafted mid, mid-draft mid that actually become pro bowlers because you somebody saw something they really liked, and, and you couldn't draft them because we're filling out depth charts uh, as a decision maker. So I hope that makes sense, Mike, yeah. but that's what I see this next week or two in free agency. A lot of these deals are – you'll never hear about them. These are late-round pick – 
replacements in my mind for a decent Actually, money. So, yeah, yeah. And they could be younger ascending players that just haven't got a great opportunity somewhere else. Yeah, you want to make decisions for the right reasons on draft day. And so you remove yes. that need component so that need I do. doesn't yeah. dictate um, too much. Because I I can't tell you how many times you've seen that fourth round corner get taken and then it fills a box on draft day and then he's cut you know, by yeah. the time you get to, right. the, to the season. So, um, and, and that on, linebacker yeah. that was there that you had in the second round goes to the Buffalo Bills and becomes a, you know, a, a pro bowler two years later. You know, yes. So it's a testament yeah. to the conviction of your evaluations. And some people aren't convicted enough to make the confident pick that, hey, we had this guy in the second round. How can we pass on him? I mean, we're in round five. Come on, let's go. Let's have some so let's make some make the process give it some integrity. And and a lot of times that doesn't happen. People would be shocked. Yeah. I'm curious if you like the Bengals signing of Orlando Brown. Uh you know, he, it's, I thought I was laughing cuz he's the way the deal is structured is kind of interesting. He's going to get 30 million dollars this weekend and then he has low base salaries the rest of the deal, but I was kind of chuckling as as their incumbent left tackle Jonah Williams is going into the final year of his uh, rookie deal as a first round pick. He has a salary, a fifth year option salary in 2023 of 12.6 million. This team could be paying $45 million uh, this year of cash to its starting tackles, uh, which is a little bit of an anomaly. It doesn't mean that that's what they're committed to in the future, but uh, that certainly got my attention. I know it got Jonah Williams attention too, because he's requesting a trade um, through his agent this is one that's interesting to me because the Bengals are, you know, traditionally not a huge uh, spend at the top of the market uh, team in free agency. They've done a really nice job in recent years kind of filling with some mid-free agents that have really helped them become a, a top contending team. Just curious what you think of that addition, what it says about Jonah Williams. Would they trade Jonah Williams? Is it easy to move him to the right side? Their defensive, their offensive coordinator said let the combine, according to uh, the, our reporters, Jay Morrison and Paul Denner, had put up a, a quote saying, ah, it'd be too hard to move him to the other side. So interesting, right? Maybe that was an opportunity that not everybody saw coming a month ago and suddenly is in your lap. What do you think? Uh, just just for clarification, Jonah Williams is the first-round pick from a few years ago, right? Yeah, yeah. So Jonah Williams is going into the final yeah. year of his rookie contract, and they, they did exercise the fifth-year option on him. So he has a $12.6 yes. million salary. Then he's a free agent. So they would. I know who he is. Yeah, I just him. wanted yeah. to make yeah. sure we were talking about the same guy. Yeah. And yeah, here's yeah. my response to your question. He hasn't been good enough, Mike. In fact, he's got the quarterback killed more times than I care to watch. So I totally understand the move to, to Orlando Brown. I think it's a, it's a, a functional move of – Hey, we're just writing and reacting to what we see. Joe Burrow yeah. got hit more than anybody we know the last couple of years. It's been awful. So I don't really care if it hurts his feelings or not. He needs to play better. And I bet you right now they'd be happy to trade him if he wants to trade, if they can find anything for him. Now, if he moves him to the right side, you're going to get another year out of him. But I think this hastens the exit for Jonah Williams. Whether oh, somebody yeah. else is going to pay for that, I got news for you. Everybody watches tape. So <laughs> I don't know. That, that, <laughs> that. You know, that the same thing that we saw as a weakness for the Bengals is going to be a weakness for somebody else. Now, he happens to play a position that's a premium. That's hard to find. But I just don't think the play has been good enough there for the Bengals, and I think they know it, and this is their response to it. Do you like Orlando Brown? I like him for what they want to do. Orlando Brown is this. He's that seven-foot center that's still seven feet in the fourth quarter. 
Yeah. Orlando Brown is still 335 pounds in the fourth quarter with arms that go, you know, beyond you and I together. And he's a long route to get around him to get to Joe Burrow. He understands the angles. Is he the fleetest of foot? No. Is he the most consistent? No. But they're going to want to run the ball a little better there. This guy will cover up defenders, especially on the second level, based on size. And he's up this game. And the kid wants to play left tackle. I get it. I'm fine with Orlando Brown and the money that they've paid him, being that the Bengals have struggled up front for so long, and and they've still been successful. So I just think they're trying to fill a need once and for all and stop talking about our offensive line. That's what they're saying to me. And and it's a statement. By the way, he would like to thank you for the 335-pound characterization. I just called up on Pro Football Reference. (laughs) They get him listed at 363, but he saw 6'8", so it's right. He does appreciate that. He's a very slim-looking athlete. We just want to compliment Orlando. Um, maybe that, maybe the extra 40, 30 pounds is the money in his wallet right now. After he got the 30 million. <laughs> well, you just said it's going to be 30 bank. million. He's yeah. going to make 30 oh. million next week. So, yeah. So that is a big statement maybe to just have this big mountain of a man over there. Yeah. Uh, here you go, Joe Burrow. Right. And then they can worry about doing a deal for him. Uh, who knows when that comes, but, uh, uh, certainly, that's a statement move uh, for yeah. them, and he's unmistakable when you see the investment in the line. You, you know which one is, you know which one is Orlando Brown. So, yep. All right, let's transition into the Chicago Bears. Love it. The yeah. monsters of the Midway. So far, they have traded the number one pick to Carolina, so they're now picking ninth instead of first. They've been busy in free agency. We mentioned Tremaine Edmonds. Nate Davis, a guard, is getting $10 million a year. Demarcus Walker, defensive end, $7 million a year. T.J. Edwards, linebacker, 6.5. Donta Foreman, running back, $3 million. Philip Walker, quarterback. Andrew Billings, Travis Homer, Robert Tunyon. It's a lot of additions. Some of them are at the bottom of the scale, but uh, what do you think? I love it. I'll be honest with you. I, I don't know Ryan Poles. I've met him a couple times. I love the conviction that he is showing here to his evaluations and to the plan. I don't. I, I have a hard time when guys get up to the plate and they look for a walk. Orion Poles is not stepping up to the plate without taking his full cuts. So he's going to rebuild this team. They need quantity. They need help at a lot of different areas. And the good thing for him is they positioned it to where they got a little cap room and they're spending it. And we look at the average per deal of all the guys you mentioned. Yeah. There's only three or four of them that are giant money. Yeah, uh, there, there's a there's a bunch of these two million, two point five million, three million. Those are again draft picks that he does not have to draft now, and I'm sure those contracts have some upside as well. So I like that. Um, obviously, Tremaine Edmonds was the big get, you know, uh, Walker, hey, like you said. That's funny. I I was reading it off Philip Walker. I like, wait, that's PJ Walker. You had him in the XFL. I know you like him too. So you like him as a backup quarterback there. Or? I think he fits skill set wise with exactly the way they want to play. I think he'll be a really good backup for Justin Fields. He's very athletic. He's going to make things happen inside and out of the pocket. You get a kick out of this. This was discussed in the Sea Dragons locker room before the game last night, because as you know, that? we yeah. most of us were with Houston and the Roughnecks, and that's where PJ yeah. was. He was our quarterback in the last iteration of the XFL. So we talked about this contract, uh, and we were all really happy that he got paid. I think his agent's yeah. one of the most hardworking dudes in the business. I'm so happy that he gets 
his little portion of this as well. But if anybody that knows PJ Walker knows what kind of a human being he is, he's outstanding. Yeah. And he's got leadership and he's come up the right way. Um, there's yeah. no forgetting about where he's been either in his mind. And so I think it's good. But even set the personal stuff aside, I'm happy for PJ. And But that's another example of they don't have to go draft a quarterback now in the fourth or fifth round. They really don't. PJ will be able to fill that for the right amount yep. of money. So I like what Ryan Poles has done. I don't think they're done yet. I think they're going to look for some more bargains. And again, he's going to set himself up just like he did with this draft day trade now going from one to nine. And that's a whole nother discussion. He got him some more tools to use to fill up this roster with some impact players uh, going, still picking inside the top 10. So I like really on all fronts what he's done. Yeah, it's pretty good. And the, the timing of the deal with the number one pick, I thought it might, I thought it felt a little early at the time, but at the same time, you did have a veteran player involved in DJ Moore. Did you think that, uh, did, did you have any issue with how it was pulled off or, you know, trying to wait and play poker, that sort of a thing? We don't know all the details of what else they could have done. Or was it just real valuable for him to, hey, you know what, we get, get good return, we can get it now, now we know what our offseason looks like? I know how hard it is to trade down, Mike, because I've done it for many years and struck out. I've been lucky enough to do it a time or two, but when you get a taker, you need to strike while the iron's hot. And I think that's okay. what he did. My guess is his criteria was, I don't want to fall out of the top 10. And and I wouldn't yep. have either. He'll get a really good player at, at nine, probably somebody in his top five or six on his board. So look at all the things he gets with that now. It tells me that their, their conviction with Justin Fields is solid. They're not interested in taking a quarterback. Uh, at least at the top, and somebody else probably is. So I have no problem with that. I think it makes sense for them to make the move now so now they can plan for it. And they'll plan these other picks kind of where they want to spend those with what happens in free agency the next month. You know, Randy, I know you've looked at the quarterbacks in college draft. You just basically, I think, told us that you don't think mm. there's one the Bears should be taking, number one, uh, at the expense of their guys. Well, so. I don't know. I don't, I don't think I agree with that, but that's a good tease oh, into when we get around it. There okay. might be one. There might be one. Okay. There might be one. Okay. So <laughs> I, when I looked at the deal, them trading uh, down from one to nine, I, I looked at all of the other deals recently when somebody moved out of the number one spot. This one was actually pretty similar to when the, the, the Titans moved down from the first pick all the way to 15. Very similar in that that deal like this one uh, returned to the team moving down, in this case Chicago, a first and a third round pick in the following year. Those are nice to have, right, Randy, as you're insuring no yourself or you want to be able to have flexibility. Uh, Chicago also gets a second in the year after that. So the the uh, the Titans did not get a second three years down the, the, the road. Do you like DJ Moore as a receiver? Because that's kind of the yeah. thing that muddies it a little bit. Sometimes the players, you know, means one thing to one side as compared, compared to the other, whereas a pick is a pick. You think that's a good addition for him, for them? I think it's a really good addition because it's a position of obviously very much need for them and eliminates having to take a receiver in round two or three. That's what I would equate DJ yep. Moore to. Now, let me just say this to the other side of this trade. I understand why Carolina is doing it as well. So I'm not saying that I don't like it for both sides. I think the thing about the Carolina angle is that they're, they're part of their reasoning for making it now. And this may sound goofy, but part of the reason I think they made it now is so nobody else could. And yeah, that's a and that's a valuable card to have in your pocket to plan ahead, knowing that nobody else can do this now. And I'm sure they know what they want to do with the pick. You wouldn't do this without a specific 
player in mind, in my opinion. But let's just say there was some doubt. Now they have plenty of time to do it because no one's going to jump the gun in front of them. So I think it's yeah. good for them as well. Yep, absolutely. It's interesting. to. It has to be a good feeling for both of those teams to know what they're doing and not have just yes. a bunch of uncertainty and you know, we're all over the place and your stomach's turning over. As long as you get good value. <laughs> right. you know, and, As long and, as it's fair. It, it's a fair deal. Yeah. No one's going to criticize the, the, the compensation going either way, I don't think. Yeah, yeah. So, all right, we'll see what they do with it. We'll see what uh, Chicago does to come out of this thing. Um, let's see what else we got here, Randy. Remember, I had the general thoughts on free agency. I think we've hit the general thoughts on free agency. You, you talked we about have, that and, already. And, and we've yeah. hit the GM notebook as well, because I think it's been a whole podcast on GM notebook stuff, to be honest with you. All of this is the kind of stuff that, frankly, I miss yep. uh, about not being somewhere in the NFL right now. I love this multitasking time that GMs have in this day and age, it's awesome because you got a million things going and some guys really shine when the lights are brightest, when the, when the, there was chaos, others go hide. And that's why I, I give a lot of kudos to a guy like Ryan Poles and some of these other guys that aren't afraid to step out and make deals. Yep. So I know what I wanted to hit on uh, a couple of these, uh you know, a couple of these veteran moves, veteran trades, right? I think it was very interesting that uh, I thought, shoot, the start of free agency, we're seeing a bunch of linebackers and defense. Yeah, there's defensive linemen and they're big guys, but there are a lot of 280 pounders. They're, they're defensive tackles as much as ends. You're not seeing the, you know, the, the best players aren't, the best players at the most premium positions aren't on the market, right? And that, that's not, right. not, it's not necessarily a new thing. And Free agency, but I felt like it's more pronounced now. I felt like I've been feeling this in recent years, but it was like week three in free agency by day three. Uh, mm-hmm. Now we're seeing long snappers signed, all kinds of things, very early. But I do think it's interesting that uh, some of these moves come across and it's blockbuster trade. Darren yeah. Waller goes to the Giants, and then you go, yeah, it's for a third rounder. Blockbuster right. trade. Jalen Ramsey goes to the Dolphins. Yeah, it's for a third rounder. Stephon yeah. Gilmore goes to the Cowboys. Yeah, it's for a fifth rounder. Johnny Smith was a huge free agent signing by New England two years ago. They're getting a seventh round pick for him to unload the salary. So yeah. that's that in itself, the concept of that is interesting to me. These are all named players. They're not getting a ton in return. I don't know if you have any thoughts on that. And then the second part is I, I would just like to talk about some of those trades and, and just some of those guys. Right. Well, I do think this is a, a newer element that is tossed into the NFL and, and tossed around in the NFL these days because there are there is salary implications that are tied to all these moves that you make or they're really players that have either worn out a welcome somewhere or you want to bail on a deal to or from uh, where depending on where it's going. So these weren't always in play, these kind of deals. So I agree with you. The name might be bigger than, say, the compensation going the other way, but I think they're still good players. But in Waller's case, for example, there's a guy that's been hurt. He didn't have a very good year last year. The production was down. You can say for whatever reasons, but the fact is he didn't produce. And so you see him bailing uh, or them bailing on him. Uh, yeah. I wouldn't doubt if something happened with a Hunter Renfro as well down the road here, if, if they didn't bail on, on that deal that was signed recently. Uh, Jalen Ramsey's we know, is in the last year of his deal. So he wanted a new deal. The Rams didn't do it, so he's moving on as well. Or he's nearing the end of his deal. I should say that if it's not one, it's no more than two. They've not touched his deal at all in their 
recurving their cap, readjusting their salary cap, team building stuff. So he goes on his original deal that he signed with them. So I think all of these deals are part of it now, and they're done for specific fits on the acquiring team. Waller to the Giants, makes sense for them if he's healthy. Jalen Ramsey to Miami, makes sense for them if it's the old Jalen Ramsey. He didn't have a very good year this year either. So I think there's these deals might be made for more of what a player was than what he is right now. And that's why you see the value, like you mentioned, not being what you would think. It doesn't re really equate to a blockbuster deal per se. Yeah, Ramsey was a little bit further along in his deal, and I understand where the Rams are at. We talked about that. The Waller one's interesting to me. The Raiders are interesting to me because yeah. before Josh McDaniel's first year, they re-signed Derek Carr. We knew it was kind of a phony deal, so I won't count yep. that the same. But they, they paid Darren Waller and Hunter Renfro before the coach had even had him. And yep. then they're sideways enough now that we're talking about getting rid of him, and the Waller thing was just weird. I mean, I don't know if you saw this. He he was recently married. Josh McDaniels had mentioned that he was married, going to get married at the Combine, which sort of became a news story in Las Vegas. And then when he got traded, uh, his his wife, who plays for the Las Vegas WNBA team, made yep. some comments saying, yeah, maybe it's because Josh McDaniels wasn't invited to the wedding. I'm just going, <laughs> whoa. I mean, yeah. <laughs> what, what yeah. are the Ra where are the Raiders at? It kind of got me thinking because I – Fairly or not, I see Josh McDaniels as one as somebody who's bringing in his program as much as he's yes. going to work with what is available. Okay, so mm -hmm. uh, to me, the way they've handled this to to move on from Carr to Jimmy Garoppolo, when I think most people would say Carr is at least as talented as Garoppolo, maybe more talented, wouldn't you say? Yes, most people would yep. say that. No doubt. Uh, Moving on now from Darren Waller, who I think most people would say, even with the injury issues, um, is, you know, in the top half of the league, top third of the league. Uh, if he's healthy, maybe he's way higher than that uh, in terms of talented tight ends. Hunter Renfro, again, sort of a bad year, but, you know, a pretty good type of slot type receiver that you would yeah. think would be a good fit for a, a Josh McDaniels. How do you feel about sort of where they're going and why? And apparently they may, maybe they were trying to get you know, Aaron Rodgers and couldn't, but I almost feel like they'd rather in some ways have Jimmy Garoppolo, who's going to be a, uh, who's going to be a promoter of the New England way. You know, yep. what, what do you think? Is that fair? I think it's more than fair. I think it's an excellent point. And I have had this suspicion the last year uh, with regard to that program and the changing of the guard there. I I've taken over teams as a decision maker in the past and I never felt the need to eliminate guys that were there because they weren't my guys and add my yeah. guys to it. I never liked that idea. I think it, uh, you underestimate how hard it is to get good players for one thing. And, yeah. and there's no guarantee that who you bring in there is going to be any different or any better. And chances are you're going to take a step back while they adjust. So just making swap outs of players for me has never been high on my list. I've seen a little bit of that. And I think some of that, that makes me kind of doubt what they're doing is really Josh's past. You know, his time with Denver, his time with, with Denver was seen by most as a failure, but also a little immaturity, a little more ready, fire, aim type decision-making. And you had hoped after 10 years <clears throat> that that was going to be behind him. Now I see some, some reactionary moves to, you remember this time halfway through last year, they're starting to doubt the culture 
doubting the coach already, doubting if this was going to be a turnaround program. And now he's jettisoned a lot of players. Uh, maybe those players were uh, stirring the doubt behind the scenes. But anytime you go down this road of my guys, I got to have my guys, I think you got to watch out that you're not biting off your nose despite your face. That, that's think, just my opinion. Think, yeah, think of their last two head coaches there. We won't we won't put Rich Passaccia in there because he was interim. But John Gruden came in and suddenly, you know, Khalil Mack and Amari Cooper just aren't fits. Well, th- those yep. are two of your five best players on the team, maybe two of yep. your top three at the time. Yep. I mean, Khalil Mack was the best player, I would say. Yep. Uh, and now you, if you would have said, hey, who are the players you'd be most excited with to have a – offensive coach come in to the Raiders, you would have said, well, Waller. Yeah. I, mean, I want to see yeah, Waller for sure. in this offense. You know, uh, yep. Hunter, Ren- Hunter Renfro's a nice piece. Hey, we got Devontae Adams. Hey, let's see it go. And then all of a sudden, now those guys are, you know, at least uh, Carr and uh, and Darren Waller are gone after one year, and Carr didn't even make it a year. They, they were right. done with him after 15 games. <laughs> yeah. So, no, I'd, I'd, yeah. definitely red flags, and, and we'll see how it goes, but – Gosh, just be careful how quick you run good players off. I've never been a fan of that. Yeah. So we've just about reached the end of the of the uh, football GM podcast here. We never mentioned Lamar Jackson the whole time. He's oh, been available shoot. the whole time. I haven't <laughs> been since we've been doing this. Started the podcast today. I haven't been checking Twitter. I haven't been checking yeah. Schefter's Twitter to see what the latest is with Lamar Jackson because there is no latest. Is that a surprise <laughs> to you? There's no latest. It's not a surprise to me because it's such a convoluted mess, Mike. I mean, when I say mess, I'm trying to be as respectful as I can, but I've been involved in these, and really this is restricted free agency because he's free, but he's restrictions that are are with him. So we can say he's a franchise player, but he's free to shop. It's just really going to be a hard deal for anybody to put together. And we talked about last week in that the dynamics of it are so unique that I know there's some teams are just going to walk away saying, I don't think I can make a deal. Plus the demands that he's made are going to turn off 80% of the teams anyway, because no one's going to give him a fully guaranteed deal. And it sounds like that's the hill he wants to stand on. So just, a, yeah. uh, it's unfortunate. And, I, I, you know, yeah. I don't know how it's going to go, how it's going to end up, but I'm sure we can, we can take a little time next week to digest yeah. a week into it. If there's no deal, we'll sure have some more information. I think there's also just different evaluations of him, right? Yeah. And I think that's been set out to me doing the quarterback tears thing every mm-hmm. year and talking to 50 people in the league. Shoot, you get you'll get a handful of people that'll put Lamar Jackson in tier one, and you get a handful that'll put him in tier three. Well, that that's a huge yeah. swing. You don't have that for other guys as much. Yeah. So he's, uh, you know, so there's not even a uniform agreement of how good he is or what you need to do to play with him or whether you can ultimately win it all with him. All of those things, and with these restrictions on it. Uh, here we are. And I think it's interesting, too, that Aaron Rodgers, who, by the way, the last two years is unanimous tier one, there haven't been 10 teams lined up for him either because that's right. a little tricky and a little complicated in, yeah. in its own ways. So uh, Convoluted. Both deals are really yeah. convoluted and very unique to the history of the league because you're yeah. right. In in Lamar's case, someone's going to have to commit to the offense that accentuates his skills. And there's, as you know, a lot of NFL coaches aren't going to commit to that type, style of offense. Yeah. Uh, they wouldn't even be good at it. They wouldn't right. want to do it, and they, it's not even in their wheelhouse. Right. People are asking, like, hey, but the, the Jets, should they go after Lamar? You think Hackett's doing that? No chance. When he has a yeah. chance to get Rodgers, so you, you wouldn't think so. So maybe we'll have more to talk about on that one. I mean, yep. you you would think there there might be, but uh, shoot, maybe next week we'll be talking about those quarterbacks in the draft. And maybe Ooh. even apparently one that Mueller 
So, <laughs> you know, maybe it could take number one overall. So, uh, hmm. We'll leave people hanging there. Yeah. Hmm. Hey, everybody. Thanks for coming along. You can find Randy's work at MuellerFootball.com. You can find his XFL team, the Seattle Sea Dragons, probably committing a turnover right now and winning anyway. <laughs> uh, and you can find him on Twitter on Twitter at Randy Mueller underscore. I'm Mike Sando, senior writer from The Athletic. You can find me at The Athletic and at Sando NFL on Twitter. Let's do it again next week, Randy, huh? Sounds good, Mike. Appreciate it. All right. We'll talk to you guys then. This was The Athletic Football Show.